In November of 1970, medic Jim Kearney extended his tour of duty in Vietnam. As much as I uh, really despised the war, I got somehow so involved in this whole business of being part of this team that I actually extended my tour of duty voluntarily. Jim had four days left in country when he volunteered for a medevac mission. The helicopter came under fire. Jim was wounded. Amazingly, this mission, Jim Kearney's last mission as a combat medic, was captured on his cassette tape recorder. The recording survived. I don't know. I might live. I might not. If I don't, tell my parents I love them. The mission ended Jim's time in Vietnam. But it marked a new phase in Jim's Vietnam experience. I'm Evan Windham. From the Bullock Museum, this is Vietnam on Tape, a Texas story podcast. A lot happened very fast on the day medic Jim Kearney was wounded. From base camp at Phuc Vinh, Jim was flown to the big medical center in Saigon. As Jim told me, it was the start of months of recovery at military hospitals. From February to June, I'm in various hospitals. Uh, They shipped me to uh, Camp Yama, Japan, which was a big military hospital there. And then they put you on one of these huge cargo planes, and they suspend the litters from the ceiling down. So you're hanging in the bay of these things. They're creaking and groaning, and they take off, and the wheels come up into the bay. I mean, these things are enormous. And they land someplace in California, and then they were going to fly us on to Fort Sam. And this thing takes off down the runway and all of a sudden comes screeching to a halt and we're all swinging in these litters. You know, I said, holy cow, you know, <laughs> I made it this far. I said, this thing's going to crash. And, uh, and then so they couldn't take off, so they put us in a hospital there in California and, and, and they had an earthquake that night. And the whole building starts shaking. I say, holy cow, I made it this far. And this, the building going to fall in on me. I mean, it's like one thing after the next. After all that, Jim returned to Fort Sam Houston in San Antonio, Texas. Finally, I get out of there and get, get back to Texas. But they're woefully overcrowded at Fort Sam. They put us in a building called Beach Pavilion. And um, it, was, it was so such a misnomer. I mean, there were no beaches around, and it damn sure wasn't a pavilion. It was a building that was built in the 1870s when Custer was there at Fort Sam. And uh, they didn't have a room or place to put me, so they put me and a lot of other people. We were out in the hall. In Vietnam, as his friend and fellow conscientious objector Bill Clamero remembers, Jim Kearney was a model medic. Something heroic about Jim. After long stays in military hospitals, though, it was back at Fort Sam where Jim reached his breaking point. I just sat there for a couple of months until they finally scheduled me for surgery to do my foot and sew up my leg. And by this time, I was pretty sick of this man's army, I can tell you that. And I just wanted out. By the time Jim was discharged, Bill had returned home. He had been discharged, too. 
Once I finally got out of the hospital, uh, we celebrated our both of us being out of the army by taking a over a month long trip to Mexico together. We had a great time doing that. A lot of adventures and fun times traveling around Mexico together. Jim started building a new way of life. He reconnected with the ranch where he grew up. Jim and his wife raised a family on that land. He became a high school German teacher. Jim and Bill's friendship also endured. We have met at least once every year for the last however many years it's been, over 40 years, I guess. And, uh, you know, he's the godfather to one of my children. Both Jim and Bill received their doctorates. Both went on to teach at university level. And Jim started writing and publishing books on Texas history. Until quite recently, though, the history Jim had not delved into was the one that he lived, his experience as a conscientious objector medic in Vietnam. It was an experience shared by around 15,000 1AO conscientious objectors. These COs served in non-combatant roles, refusing to carry a weapon based on religious training and beliefs or deeply held ethical rationale. Now in their 70s, Jim and Bill are writing about their time in Vietnam, collaborating on a book together. And they are reconnecting with other veterans they served with, like Fred Irvin, a fellow CO they met in basic training. Jim, Bill, and Fred spent an afternoon together, sharing stories and souvenirs. Hey. <laughs> man, oh man, oh man. <laughs> this is something else. Do you remember me, Fred? Yeah, yes, I do. Yes, I do. Hey. Yes, sir. <laughs> God, it's 50 years, you know. Wow, this is something now. This yeah. is something? Yeah, I don't believe it. It says class lifts. See right there? It says class lifts right there. Company D, that's it. That was it, yeah, okay. Jim had spoken to me about attempts at reconnecting over the years. He had attended a reunion for the 15th Medical Battalion many years ago and had brief stints of being involved with veterans' organizations. But he told me about a sense of awkwardness that came with that. It's hard to put into words exactly, but you see, it's an alternative narrative from A to Z for us. Mm -hmm. But that's part of the uh, dilemma of being a conscientious objector. See, none of these people knew I was a con- probably. Uh, and I, I mean, I, I don't deny it, but I don't advertise it either. But Jim did attend the 2019 reunion for the 15th Medical Battalion in San Antonio, Texas. And at the reunion, he reconnected with retired Colonel Greg Simpson, the aircraft commander of the mission he has on tape. I talked with Greg Simpson over the phone after the reunion. At that point, I spent weeks talking with Jim. I knew about Jim's time in various hospitals, and I knew how Jim's life had unfolded. I asked Greg to describe the mission from his perspective. What happened after Jim was wounded? So we shut the helicopter down and left it. It it was completely, it was out of service because of many hits. Mm -hmm. And we literally ran... And I mean, as fast as we could run from the hospital pad to a different helicopter. And my whole crew, minus Kearney, we had another medic by this time, did a scramble departure and went right back out to where the um, soldier in the field needed to be evacuated because we didn't get him. Mm -hmm. We did not get him. And we went right back out. The enemy had... um, 
departed the area where they had been terminating. We received no enemy fire at all on the second part of the mission, and we uh, successfully evacuated the patient, picked him up, and brought him back to the same place where we brought Kearney. The wounded soldier lived. Jim was awarded his distinguished flying cross for that mission. The other members of the crew were as well. But in the flurry of the day's action, that was the last time Greg and Jim saw each other for a half a century. I wish I could look you straight in the eye and tell you this so you could see my eyes and know I'm telling you the truth. I've thought about him for 50 years. I've thought about him so many times because I never knew what happened to him. When I got back from this mission that we were on, I went to go see him. I wanted to see how he was. I didn't know. I had no idea. All I know is he'd been hit three times in the chaos of that battle. The folks at our base camp said, no, Kearney, you know, he's been gone for about an hour. We had to evacuate him further south, down to either Saigon or one of the other hospitals down south. So when they have to evacuate you in a hurry, a lot of times, not always, but a lot of times, it means somebody's really hurt badly. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I did everything I knew to do to try to find out where he was, you know, so I could check up on him. But I couldn't find and Nobody knew. Once he's down wherever he went, you know, lost contact with him. A few years after, I don't know when we had our first reunion, but we had it at, we started having reunions. And he wasn't at any, he wasn't at the one that I went to. Then I went to another one and he wasn't at that one. And so I just lost track. And I'd, I'd call a couple of my friends that I kept up with all these years and nobody knew whatever happened to Kearney. Everybody knew Kearney, but nobody knew what happened to him. Did he Did he have his arm amputated? Did he have a leg amputated? I, I didn't know. Fifty years later, Greg's questions were answered. So anyway, the long short of it, we have the reunion. And it's at a hotel in San Antonio, Texas, not far from the Riverwalk. And... Um, Here's this tall, lanky, graying, thin guy 10 meters away from me. He walks over to me, and uh, and, I, and, I, and somebody says, hey, look, there's Jim Kearney. He's here. And I looked up, and I could not believe my eyes. You know, I, I just couldn't believe it. You know, matter, as a matter of fact, I didn't recognize him, oh. nor would he have recognized me after 50 years. But I couldn't believe it. And we we... Uh, shook hands. I guess we embraced, and uh, it was a, 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 a very emotional. Because I told him, I said, Jim, I haven't heard from you all these years. I've, I've n- nobody knew what happened to you. <clears throat> when you're when you're a commanding officer of the of the aircraft, uh, you take some of that stuff kind of personal. Sure. But the good news is. He was whole, 100%, and we went, and we had lunch, and we talked, and come to find out he has done so very well in life, and it was just so thrilling to know that he made it, because he was the only crew member that I had that was uh, battle-damaged. Mm-hmm. We were all, I'm sure some of them were scarred uh, emotionally, mentally. Mm-hmm being in situations where they could have been killed and they, you know, they just, by the grace of God, 
were not. He had some very frightening moments. and went into some very precarious situations, very life-threatening, very uncertain. But just we were blessed. You know, we were just fortunate. We took fire many times, but we didn't get anybody hurt except for Kearney. And here he was. He had all his fingers and all of his toes, and both eyes were working, and his hearing was good. <laughs> you know, well, I'm not perfect, but... <laughs> But uh, it was just the most wonderful experience. And we spoke of our mission as if it happened the day before. It was a, kind of an amazing conversation he and I had down at the Riverwalk. Uh, probably won't ever forget it. As time has gone on, Jim has worked to share his experience, to communicate what it was like. Jim told me about one instance in particular when he was asked to speak to local high school students on Veterans Day. I told an anecdote about when I was a teenager and I was hunting with my great uncle who had been in the trenches in World War I and an airplane flew over. He's in his 80s and he throws his rifle down and starts try, frantically trying to dig a foxhole. And we were walking down an old dry creek bed, which it looked just like a trench, you know. And he was transported back by the sound of that airplane flying low over the top of us. And he was trying to dra- frantically dig a, a, a foxhole for protection from being strafed. And so I said, look, here's why we honor veterans. It's because it really is true that for those who are in war, you never really get over it, you know. The war is with you, and the war never ends. It's, it's with you the rest of your life. I've thought a lot about that anecdote and about Jim's words. A few minutes of cassette tape started this podcast. I was focused on the mission, and I had expected to dissect the tape minute by minute. But that tape ended up being only part of the story. Jim sent me another audio file, this one much longer, and recorded in 2019. The audio is of him and Bill working on their book. They're in Bill's home, in what sounds like an open room, and birds are chirping outside. Over the course of the recording, Bill and Jim banter and tease out storylines. It runs already to... Um... What, what are you talking about? Talk, you're talking about your, your thing? My A&M story. Oh, your A&M story. They talk about the various formats they could incorporate, and I can picture them at a table, together, figuring out how to tell their story. Jim has shared parts of his and Bill's writings with me. The words are beautiful. They're funny, they're sad, in some cases, matter-of-fact. When I read them and listen to that recording, I think about something else Jim said. What I did encounter, which I think nearly every veteran from every war has experienced, whether it's the Civil War or World War II or whether they're German or Americans or whatever, you simply are frustrated when you try to explain to somebody what it was like, and you can't. And the only people that can really understand are people who also went through it. 
the times you want to communicate, you know, and you're frustrated because you're not Shakespeare. You can't come up with the wonderful words to express it. So you just sort of sink back into your own frustration and seek out people who you know have had a similar experience so you don't have to explain it to them. And it's not like when you get together, you sit around and talk about it, but you know that you're with somebody who understands. Thank you for joining us for Vietnam on Tape. Thank you to Jim Kearney for sharing his story for this podcast. Thank you to Bill Clamero, Fred T. Irvin, and Greg Simpson for sharing their experiences with me. Thank you also to Jean Mansavage for speaking with me and for her research. Additional thanks to the archivists and historians at the U.S. Army Medical Department Museum. This episode was edited and mixed by David Shulman. This Texas Story podcast is produced by the Bullock Museum in downtown Austin. We tell stories through people, places, and original artifacts, so everything we do is because of people like you who help keep Texas history and culture alive. Visit us online at thestoryoftexas.com, where you can also share your Texas story in the Texas Story Project. And if you're ever in Austin, be sure to stop by the Bullock Museum and visit us. For Vietnam on Tape, I'm Evan Windham.